filibuster received sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. I want to talk about omens for a minute because omens are important uh and and light omens and the cancellation the canceling out thereof um that's not how omens work it is how omens omens that cancel each other out it's absolutely how omens work and you need incantations to cancel your omens well what if you get an omen that goes one way and then the next day you get an omen that goes a different way then you got some bad omens. You get some confused omens. Maybe you need some horse spices. I have no idea where Ben is taking <laughs> this right now. I Just was going to talk about the Caps beating the Maple Leaves, a team from Washington beating a team from Toronto, as basically as we record tonight. I was uh, going for Roman prophecies, but that's all. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to oh, go well, for a course, David like Tennant television Marcus. show for a minute there there but you you went a different way i mean most Um, of our shows go to roman prophecies you know we talk about incantations and uh spices uh for magic that's a pretty frequent thing that we bring up yeah all the time (laughs) and not at all this being the first of those times anyway the caps beat the maple leaves which cancels out the bad omen of the u.s national team going to toronto and i don't think it does laying a Big old pilot dookie. Well, the, the national team did their job in that they gave Paul Ariola a 30 minute workout in a competitive game. That is the function of the U.S. men's national team at this without point. Without hurting him. Yes, he, he, he got he got his workout in. Uh, none of the Canadian players came flying at him, uh, uh, studs and legs of flailing, uh, as, as happened at Audi Field. Um, He's fine. Uh, his injury is not worse. So, the, so Jason, the game served its purpose. So, Jason, is the U.S. men's national team an elaborate uh, CrossFit box for Paul Ariola? Uh, as long as they call him in. And once they don't, if they don't call anyone from D.C. United in, then they effectively cease to exist. Uh, they okay. vanish into thin air, I think. Um, At this point, until they, they prove that they... Their existence is worthwhile. I think that's a fair. Which they haven't for like four Two years. years. Um, yeah. So, hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and Good and or Bad Omens podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined by Ben Bromley, Jason Anderson. We're all from blackandredunited.com. We talk about DC United, and that's what we're doing tonight. The Black and Red. Uh, kick off the their their playoff campaign, their their quest for a fifth MLS Cup this Saturday at 6 p.m. up in Toronto, BMO Field. Watch it on 2DN or uh, stream it on DCUnited.com if you're in the immediate DMV area. Um, before we talk about that, though, of course, Jason, I have to ask you this. What are you drinking? Uh, I have a uh, classic uh, Dark and Stormy. 
Um, so I've got my goslings. Uh, my um, I don't have. It's not a pure goslings. Uh, dark and stormy. I have the Q Q brand uh, ginger beer, um, which comes in like appropriately sized cans. If you get the the goslings, it's like a twelve ounce can of ginger beer. And if you're making a mixed drink to use that entire can, because it's a can, you can't reseal it now. It's a fizzy thing in a can. You've got to use it now. You've opened it. Do you get two or three drinks out of it? Uh, or more? I, I guess it depends on how strong you want to make it. Um, but how I, strong I usually do you just, want to make it? I usually just eyeball it. Um, so usually it's, it's probably uh, just two, but it can be three pretty easily. Um, but the Q, the Q cans are smaller, which is, I guess, probably more wasteful and bad for the environment. Um, I don't actually know. I, I don't know the after effects of these things. But I do know is that it's the appropriate amount of ginger beer to pour for one use uh, for one drink, um, which is uh, desirable, in my opinion. I will say my five-year-old's kindergarten class is learning about recycling right now. So mm-hmm. I just want to encourage you to make sure you recycle your can. I do. We ha- um, So the... Trump administration's uh, dumb ideas on literally every topic um, included uh, tariffs against China, which eventually had the end effect of changing the recycling policy in Anne County. And so certain things can no longer be recycled because they, I guess, shipped it off somewhere and now it's too expensive to do that. Um, but metal is still recyclable. So I can still recycle my cans whenever I have cans. Hey, Adam. Uh- is your five-year-old also learning about dark and stormies? She's not. Um, they haven't started the bartending unit in her kindergarten class yet, but um, I've received assurances that it's it's forthcoming. And if it's not, I'll homeschool her on that particular aspect. Cool. What are you drinking tonight, Ben? I am going back to a classic favorite. I'm drinking a Devil's Backbone Vienna Lager. That is a classic. Yeah. It's like yingling, but better, so... Drink it if it's available to you. Uh, they also have a very nice little brew pub out in the mountains. It's it's delightfully beautiful. Uh, like a whole campus, it. I should say, not just a brew pub. They have like a patio, a stage, a whole bunch of things out there. Um, I am drinking a New Columbia Negroni. It is uh, a Negroni made entirely with New Columbia distilling products, I guess, except for the bitters and the ice. The ice was made here in my house. Um, the bitters are just generic orange bitters, but um, green hat gin and then um, the Tiber. Uh, I'm blanking on the actual name of the product line, but Tiber is their um, capitaline is what it's called. Capitaline vermouth. Uh, the, I, I got their rosé vermouth and their Tiber product, which is like a Campari stand in. And it's it's quite good. Makes for a good little Negroni. Nice and bitter. Which some, more, uh, Negroni. some more Roman stuff. Tiber and Capitoline. Roman Hills with the Horace Piquets. We're just Roman all the time here. And, you know, with that nice bow on this conversation, let's, uh, let's turn to some soccer. DC United kicks off their playoff campaign Saturday evening in the true north, strong and free. No less so after... This weekend's matchup between Canada and the United States. We're not going to talk about that, though. Adam, Adam, uh, you already talked about it. Don't talk about it. DC United will be at Toronto FC this Saturday. Watch it on 2DN or DCUnited.com. Now that Flow Sports is no longer a thing we have to deal with. Uh, we have our old friend Kristen Knowles with us now to help us preview 
this Eastern Conference matchup. Kristen, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me back on. It's been a while. It has been a while. Hopefully you remember this, though. We start every conversation with the same question uh, because we're a bunch of degenerates. What are you drinking? You know what? I, I'm in recovery mode from last night. Uh, uh, yeah, I yeah. can't talk about it. No. Um, so <laughs> I, I am drinking water because that is, that is all I should drink until, until Saturday um, is, is water. Yes. So, uh, rather than talking about Canada, let's talk about Toronto FC. Um, (laughs) If you want to get a gloat in, we'll let you do that first. All right, just come on, come on. (laughs) Not only did they win, not only did they win and no goals were scored by your lot, but a decisive win. A dominant performance. It was beautiful for it, Canadian soccer fans. And it was the fans. first time that it was the first time that Canada had won. Like the last time they won was before I was born. Yes, I know. I was going to ask how many of you were alive the last time that happened, just so I could. Feel I think cool. the other two. I think the other two were alive. I think it's yes. just me. Yeah. They were probably toddlers. Yeah. Um, yes, thirty-four long years wandering in the men's soccer wilderness. Uh, wiped away in one glorious night and i i i I, actually the fact that i have this much voice left is a shock to me uh (laughs) considering i sang and yelled for two and a half plus hours so anyway but you know we'll 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 talk about this another time i i still have to talk about this on my own show so um i'll be able to enthuse more without making uh people that i actually like feel bad (laughs) i mean we feel We're bad feel because bad with or without the, the gloating. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make my friends feel worse. That's very my, Canadian of you. We appreciate I it. I know, I know, I know. All right, on to on to the weekend. Grr, rivalry renewed. Uh, well you have some things to be happy about there too. Toronto FC are unbeaten in ten to close out the the regular season. Just three losses since the end of June, um, but also only four wins since the start of August for your Reds, which is the same number as DC United, which is not a great number. Um, So given that lack of losses and relative lack of wins, what are your thoughts on TFC's form? Where are they right now? It's such an odd time for them in that, yes, everyone is very much hanging their hat on this undefeated in 10. And and yes, that is a good thing. And when you don't lose games, that's generally a good thing. But the fact that they're not winning games or decisively winning games um, is, is, is a concern, especially now that the playoffs are one and done. So you don't have that option of, of coming back. Plus, you know, we've all seen how well Toronto do in uh, penalty shootouts. So, uh, their favorite form of point getting right now being a draw is is bad, especially when it comes to playing DC United. Because if you look at recent matches over the last two or three years against uh, between our two clubs, there's a lot of draws. A Both lot. matches this year were were draws. Yes, yes, they were. And uh, out of the last five, four of them have been draws. Which is which is not good. I, I don't consider that to be a good bellwether for this. 
Um, the positive thing for Toronto is that the very last game, that sort of finally looked like a Toronto team that kind of were starting to get each other. Uh, now, unfortunately, we have the Josie situation. It's, it's, it's so weird. I've been struggling all season to figure out an identity for our club. And that is where opposition clubs can beat them because they don't know what their identity is half to half. So I know this sounds like I should be more enthusiastic, but I go into this match with a great deal of trepidation. Uh, I, I don't, I'll say that they're going to win, but I don't necessarily say it confidently. I don't look at, I don't look at this weekend's match and think, fuck yes, they are going through and they're going to go, you know, play the pizza rats at city field. (laughs) um, Yeah. I don't know. I just, I have nothing. uh, I should be more enthusiastic. I'm I'm trying. I'm sorry. So what has keyed the unbeaten streak? Omar Gonzalez and Clinton Westberg. And I mean that quite seriously. If you look at TFC's form, look at TFC's results since, Omar Gonzalez joined the club. It's it's startling. The and you can see you, literally you can see the difference he made the very second he set foot on the pitch for Toronto. Uh, outstanding defender has managed to marshal um, whoever is next to him, and that includes the must make one massive error per match, Chris Mavinga, who who we all love, but the massive error per match thing is wearing you know drew moore has been a shadow of himself um you know he's getting up there battling injuries smart smart defender has done tremendous things for this club but um and but you can never you just can't overlook his presence um on the back line and and on the pitch and then quinn westberg uh sorry former u.s international alex bono i Westberg is a better keeper than Bono is. Yes, he's got 100 appearances for the club, and, and he's, he's done well for Toronto behind some really good defenses and some, you know, some good players. But Westberg, in my opinion, and in many people's opinion, is a better keeper. He communicates better with his defense. He's got better distribution. He's a smarter goalie. He may not be as acrobatic, perhaps, but he knows his stuff. And the two of them being able to lock down the defense so that the fullbacks are able to get forward and do what Vanny prefers. And, you know, like the, the, the darting runs down the wings, because that's what he's wanted to do all year. And they've had trouble finding, you know, players to play out there Um, that has allowed them to transition other players to goal scorers because they haven't had a consistent goal scorer this year. Yes. Um, you know, Pozuelo and, and Altidore can still bang them in, but neither of them have been dominant. Uh, and I'm sorry, this is going to hurt you, but Nick DeLeon, thank you, by the way. Thank you. <sighs> thank you. That, that, Some that of us didn't want us. him to leave. No, that hurts all of us deeply. I still can't believe you guys, they, they let him leave. I don't understand it. Um, but he has been, outside of Omar Gonzalez, um, he's been, I think, the most important signing for Toronto this year. And when he is healthy, and he struggled a little bit, but another, a couple other players have stepped in for him. But when he's healthy, 
you know, he is incredibly important, whether he's scoring goals or not. He's just important on the pitch. And I think those three players, um, including some mature performances by Jonathan Astorio lately, uh, Marky Delgado seems to have righted what has ailed him for a good solid year and a half. Um, and then Michael Bradley, who, at least for Toronto, um, continues to play very well and has played very well this last this last stretch. And they're the reasons why they are being able to do what they can do right now. All right, say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly, uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, if you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper, and you're dealing with a, a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster so kristen going back to uh, a U.S. international, uh, Josie and Josie Altador started the season well, had a really good July, has been decent in September, but he's been up and down and up and down and up and down. Uh, uh, what do you expect from Altador coming into this into this playoff stretch? If he's even on the field, if he's on the field, I expect him to try to take on the entire DCU defense. And, and I'm not even joking when I say that. Um, he's going to have... He, he, Josie generally feels like he has something to prove. And a player who's as injured, who's oft injured as he is, generally does. Um, yes, he gave one of... He's given several highlight reel dominant performances for Toronto FC and the city has embraced him and the club is, you know, the fan base has embraced him. And of course he gave the greatest speech of all time. Um, but it's, uh, there's always, whenever you look at Josie, it's always with, it's, it's with a wary eye because, you know, is he going to be the immature Josie? who's going to get uh, a red card for something incredibly stupid is he going to be the Josie that looks really tired and doesn't engage fully for an entire match? Or, you know, does, does Vanna use him wisely, doesn't keep him out there the whole time and gives him a chance to capitalize on, you know, a brilliant pass from another player. And he's a big guy. Josie, Josie can muscle just about anybody off a ball and put in some really great goals. So, it's hard to say which one is actually going to show up. Uh, we hope it's the, it's the Josie of the, of the brilliant 
game-winning, game-saving, highlight reel goal, uh, because, of course, that would mean we get to go forward probably. But it's really hard to say because he has been so up and down. Um, and we haven't heard much about his his status, what his what the health situation is for him. The club hasn't talked about it much. So um, we're all just kind of like holding our breath waiting. You mentioned that speech. I want to know, do Toronto FC fans call BMO Field the laboratory after that? And why aren't they? You know what? It's, it's, it hasn't caught on in that way. Like we, we talk about, we, we, we talk about the lab. We talk about the players going into the lab and we've uh, uh, on our podcast or on our Instagram, you know, we've done a few posts about it and we joke about it, but yeah, no one, it's never caught on as a, as a nickname for BMO field. And that is a great question. I should, uh, I, should I am thoroughly that. disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're, we we're good at nicknames or at least we think we are. And then we just <laughs> let that one slide. Oh, I'm so disappointed in us. That Toronto people. Huh. <laughs> I'll see what I can, I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can do. So uh, Kristen, my other question is about the other, uh, United States men's national team player. Uh, Michael Bradley was part of a thoroughly embarrassing United States men's national team uh, against uh, against your folks last night. Uh, Including three was, Toronto FC players. Yeah. 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 Uh, he was not able to, to uh, perform against his teammates. He, he was... I don't necessarily personally put it all on him. I think there's a plenty of things yeah, to all, about the. You guys have to stop doing that. By the way, it's not all his fault. There are other players on the pitch to blame. Oh yeah, yeah. I feel like most. We're not. I feel like, I feel like lo- we're not the podcast that blames Michael Bradley for literally no, we are everything. Not. We are not. Um, there, there are there's many words you do, and we know where us. you can find those guys. Um, we steer clear of them. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, he 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 didn't still didn't cover himself in glory, but how has he done for Toronto uh, uh, rounding out this year? And uh, what do you expect from him? Is he just going to dominate DC United's midfield like the Michael Bradley of old, or is he a more likely to let his friends in midfield just do the butt kicking? You know, I think. You know, I've I've had my ups and downs with him as a as a member of TFC. You know, I've had my my issues with him, but I can always I try to appreciate when he's deployed the way he should be. When he's in like you know not being put in like six different positions in one match, and um, he's a very he really is a very good player. And I have said numerous complimentary things about him this season. Uh, especially recently. I think he's really found sort of found a really positive uh, aspect to his play, seeing the field well, um, breaking up a lot of plays and uh, keeping a a bit of a cooler head. He's still, you know, again, he's one of the ones who sort of goes off very easily. Um, So such a, like an even keeled guy, when you talk to him, it's always, it always sort of surprises me how, yappy he gets on the pitch but um he is he is the midfield engine for for this club and everyone else um just has to sort of rely upon upon him he 
he still has it in him. Um, and he's shown that time and again this season. And I think that, yes, he will be incredibly important on Saturday. And so, yes, your midfield should be aware. Um, and I think that there will be – that's where this game will be decided is in the midfield, uh, as most are these days, it seems. But especially, you know, Vanny's preference for three five two. Um, the fact that DC has numerous scary midfielders. Um, I think that that will be the most interesting part of the game is to watch what happens there. I yeah, think, yeah, I, I think, go ahead. I, I, I was just going to say, I don't think Ben Olsen will leave his midfield out to dry quite as much as uh, Greg Berhalter did. So, No, I would be surprised. Oh, what is happening? Oh, sorry about that. I don't know if I don't know if my weird phone notifications are being recorded, and if they are, I apologize for the extra sound effects. <laughs> um, I think I think I didn't hear any. I think we're good. Um, Kristen, with without the doors um, status being so up in the air, I know I read something earlier today where they tried to address it, but it was very much a non-committal to the point of they might as well have not said anything. Um, I noticed I noticed that in the last game and in other games where he's been out, including um, one of the games uh, between these two teams, that the move has been to move Pozuelo in as a as the center forward, play as a false nine and bring someone else in um, where Pozuelo had been. Um, how capable do you think he is in that role? How how much does the attack change if that's what they have to do on the weekend? I think he is capable of that role and honestly for most of us it's preferable to um him being marooned out on the wing where he's mm-hmm. been lately which is and it is honestly the probably one of the most frustrating things to watch as a as a Toronto FC fan is to see a very good player isolated out of the game by his coach and by the lineup choices and the, the formation choices that he's made. Um, so not that I wish Altador ill. I absolutely do not. We need him in the game. But if it means that Pozuelo can play centrally in any way, then that is a good thing. The, only, the problem is, is that, yes, who do you put up top? So you have him as a sort of striker, which isn't really his thing. Uh, Patrick Mullins, who has stopped scoring despite me, uh, just like he did for us. Yes, yes, yes. Well, no, when he came here, because I was very upset, and I'm still not 100%, well, not even a little bit convinced that this was a good thing. Um, at least Jordan Hamilton was scoring goals. He, like, twice in games, when I when he came on and I was deriding him, he scored goals. So I we decided he was scoring despite me, but then that stopped. Um, you know what? Mullins is capable. He's not a dynamic player. And I think... Yes, again, he might have a little bit of something to prove, but I don't know how much he has of that in him. It's um, whether or not the uh, the Tam wingers, as we like to call them, are, are final pieces, allegedly, to this puzzle for this team for this year, um, whether they start or get subbed on to get involved. Uh, Benazé has been the preference over Gallardo, and Benazé has actually shown a lot of very, very good things. So he's a possibility. Again, he's more of a winger, but... Um, and then the surprising resurgence of Sabasa Endo. Um, but of many social media 
dating, whatever jokes, which he, delights us to no end. Right. Um, he should maybe reconsider his approach on on that side of things. Um, but uh, I'm glad you, you brought him up because uh, I am kind of, I've been paying attention to him because of his time at Maryland, but also he's been suddenly a regular factor for TFC in these last uh, what six games. I think he's been uh, made played major minutes. Um, how uh, Bill Hamid even uh, at training mentioned Endo specifically um, really? as a potential goal scoring threat. So um, how has he gotten himself back into the picture after being kind of the uh, forgotten man for so long? It's, you know, it's an excellent question. And one, I haven't sort of seen a good answer to um, a lot of us watched him at TFC two last year mm-hmm. and, you know, kept wondering why, why isn't he up with the first club? Why isn't he up with the first team when TFC clearly desperately needed anything that would give them a spark last year? Um, part of it uh, had to do with his, uh, I guess, his uh, international status. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the reasons why he didn't come up sooner. Um, I think there was a reluctance on the on the coaching staff's um, side to, you know, sort of force, you know, swear off of first team players that they had sort of already put their stock in. We're like, well, this is the team we're going to go with. And yes, you know, we have these other like fringe players, but no, we're not, it's just not yet. But I think, you know, they, the Vanny always puts uh, the TFC's coaching staff, uh, mostly Vanny, uh, but even before him always put great stock in how well they train and how they look in training. And so I have to assume that somewhere in the weeks leading up to this last while, he just was impressing so much. Um, and there's also the fact that other options have been struggling and he seems to have a very positive attitude. But he also has speed and Toronto does not have, it doesn't have the speed it once had. This is a slower team. This is a team that is aging. And, um, you know, that was one of the reasons for getting those Tam wingers in, that's one of the reasons that um, Richie Larea and uh, Jacob uh, Schaffelberg were being utilized, and Larea still is, um, because of their speed on the wings and their ability to get in behind defenses. And we all know that Endo looks to get in behind. So um, <laughs> I have to do it whenever I can. Right. It's important to represent. Um, but. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, although I will say the one thing that I, I, I wish he would stop doing is he's, he's not a very good crosser and he's better with the ball at his feet and moving in and around defenders or trying to pass off to a teammate. When he sends in crosses, it tends to go awry. So if you can force him to send in a cross as opposed to um, keep the ball, then that, that, that helps neutralize him. There you go. That's my gift to you. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I think he's, he's, he's proven to be you know, surprisingly adept um, with the ball and that speed and a decent nose for goal right now. So, you know, go with the hot hand or the hot foot, I guess is the best way to put that. We'll dig into more, try to get more gifts out of you uh, in a minute. Before we we do though, uh, I'm going to 
uh, fight my intuition and take it back to the USA Canada game, but not the game itself, the field. Um, there were some seams visible at either end of the field. It looked like, um, where I don't know if it was a gap in the turf or the turf was unlevel or, or what, um, did you notice that in the stands? And do you know anything more about that? Um, because if there are seams in the field that could change the way, uh, the game goes on Saturday too. Actually in the pitch. Yeah. Or, oh, yeah. no, honestly, I didn't notice, but I, I have to tell you, I was, I, you know, and I usually do look at the pitch, but I was also sitting in a different place. I was further down, closer to the pitch, um, in the midst of the Voyagers, where I usually am for Canada matches. I'm usually, for TFC matches, I sit, well, still in the south end, but higher up, so I have a better view of, like, the pitch itself. This way, where I was, was really just, like, looking at the players and looking at the game developing. Um, I haven't seen anything online mentioning it like i i haven't looked uh i haven't seen anything come up on on uh tfc twitter or uh can twitter about that um not usually that sort of thing is rarely a concern for for toronto's pitch um generally the issues in the past have been uh the grass dying and or being chewed up um rarely has it been an issue with how um this stuff has been laid out and now with the hybrid pitch it should be even less of an issue so that is yeah that's why it was surprising to see what looked like clear seams and something maybe it was just a an artifact of the lighting and the camera um but you know if we if we see it on saturday you know we'll (laughs) we'll have more questions but um until then i'm looking at a picture right now thank you um interesting wow no i (laughs) I did not see that, but again, I'm way, I'm way over. I'm in the, I'm in the corner in the upper left hand, well, the, not the other, the upper right hand corner of this picture. So, um, I can't see over there. I'm busy, like screaming and yelling and things. Um, but no, that's a, that, that is a concern. Um, I will see what I can find out. It'll be too late for tonight's show, but I'll ask around and get back to you guys regardless. Cool. Uh, last question before we get you out of here and, uh, it's our, our traditional conversation under, um, if you were to find yourself in the technical area opposite Greg Vanny, how would you be game planning against the Reds? What would you be focusing on? What would you be trying to take away from them? And what would you be trying to exploit? Uh, it will depend on who starts on the wings. Um, if it's, Gosh, you know, like, and I say this as a huge, huge Justin Morrow fan, but if Justin Morrow's on the wings, uh, he's smart defensively, but he's slower. Uh, Arrow and Larea have more speed, although Arrow can also be burned defensively. So it's probably going to be the left side. Um, well, I guess the right side for attacking, but that you want to um, exploit in that sense. And, uh, Man mark the hell out of them. TFC hate that a lot. If you can slow, if you can like slow the game down more than you normally would, and have somebody like pinned to Michael Bradley, have somebody pinned to Jonathan Osorio, um, and keep Pozuelo isolated out on the wing. He can't work from out there. Um, and if actually, if you can shove Osorio out to the wing as well. Both players, uh, Osorio very much prefers to be central. 
and Pozuelo plays much better central. And if you can if you can frustrate those guys and keep them out of the way, you'll have a lot more success. All right. Thanks for the tip. Um, Kristen, thanks again for coming on the show. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet? Uh, you can find myself on the Twitters at KZ Knowles, and you can find myself and my merry crew uh, at uh, Vocal Minority CA and uh, VocalMinority.ca for our podcast. And to translate that Twitter handle for uh, the majority of our listeners, that's KZ Knowles on Twitter. <laughs> it's so funny because I am uh, I am so used to emphasizing the Z for our Canadian listeners, <laughs> uh, though my American family do call me KZ. So, huh? Yeah. Well, find us at blackandredunited.com. Support us financially at patreon.com slash filibuster. We are also on Twitter, of course, uh, at filibuster DCU for the website at black and red U for Wait, at Filibuster DC for the podcast, <laughs> at Black and Red U for the website. It's easy. It's obvious. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Rate, review, download, subscribe. Uh, I think that's all the actions you can legally do uh, from a podcatcher. Mostly, though, please tell a friend about the show wherever you're watching the game on Saturday. Just mention the show and that you listen to this great preview and uh, spread the word. It's the, one of the nicest things you can do for us. Uh, so we will talk to you again real soon for Jason and Ben. I'm Adam and thanking Kristen one more time. Uh, thanks Say goodbye, Jason. Great to talk to you. You too. Say goodbye, Jason. Goodbye, Jason. <laughs>